welcome everybody to episode 98 of our baseball weekly the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit my name is lewis and today we get to celebrate with the astros phil and nime are going to be on a little later to talk about the world series and what it means for this fan base uh say what you will about the franchise the players they had i do feel good for some of these fans that they finally get to hopefully enjoy a world series for longer than a couple years before having it ripped away fingers crossed there because you never know but uh, that's <laughs> that's what we're hoping I don't want to disparage them anymore really good for those fans to finally get this and hopefully get it clean and uh, we're, we're excited for them but they are later on this episode before we get to that though Kevin is here, and we are going to break down the few non-World Series-related stories that have come out this week. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Lewis. Thank you so much. It was a uh, nice, relaxing Sunday around here in the Midwest, but I'm ready to talk some baseball and uh, get moving towards free agency in the offseason. Yeah, it it's... Uh, I, I can't remember how far north you are. Uh, up north here, it is 30 degrees out, and there is a slight coat of snow on the ground. My wife and I measured out where we're thinking of flooding the backyard for an ice rink um, this winter <laughs> because that's how far north I am. Uh, it definitely feels like baseball season is over uh, up here. Um, apparently, the Vikings are good, so... Uh, I should probably start tuning into them, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I, we were talking beforehand. Uh, I broke a long, cursed streak. Uh, usually when I turn into the Vikings, they lose. Uh, the one game I'd watched so far this year was the Eagles game that they lost. The only game of the season they lost. But I finally tuned in today and they won, uh, breaking a long set of curses, which is which is wonderful for me because I hate not tuning into games because I feel cursed. And I know it's not a I know it's not rational. I I'm getting a master's in statistics, but that kind of goes out the window with sports sometimes. Being a baseball fan makes you automatically superstitious a lot more than I think other sports <sighs> in general. So I think that's where our our leaning towards weird things happen just because of baseball and what it's done to our psyche. I I agree. Um you know it we weren't going to talk too much about the World Series. We're going to leave that for Phil and Nime. However, um, no hitter in the World Series. My goodness. Um, yeah. Speaking of superstition, I did not say the word no hitter uh, because... And I was appalled nope. at the amount that the announcers were just like laying it in there. Like you couldn't say it enough. And I, I'm just cringing uh, at every moment. It's like, know, it's, is that old school us or just... <sighs> ignorance on on the so, national media's part so i think i think there's two parts number one national media it is their job to report the game i'm not i'm not going to begrudge them that much um my take on this is simple i've said it on the sub a couple times there's no reality to the superstitions what i say has no effect on the players on the field however a ton of enjoyment of baseball is derived from traditions and superstitions and ultimately, this is an entertainment product. Uh, that illusion that we can somehow control something is something humans gravitate to. And I see no reason not to humor it, play it up, enjoy it. I, I put it like this. I don't question the existence of Santa Claus around children. I don't tell my coworker when the boss ignores their input on a project. 
And I don't say no hitter or perfect game until the end of the game. Those are, those are three rules to live by. I uh, think that's very good. That's that's a reasonable expectation. I think that everybody should, uh, should follow those rules. Uh, I'd like to also put the rally cap um, as part of an odd superstition that you see just in random places when your team is losing and you don't really want to mention it, but just flip your cap around and hope it turns around for the best. Or if you're in Seattle, you stick a shoe on your head because that yeah, was, that was, that was weird. That, yeah, <laughs> I, that, I mean, it worked for a while there, I guess, but it was kind of like, wait. And then what What did you see the other clip of uh, taking shoeies? I think it was the the Braves and the Mets fans were, were drinking beer out of shoes next to each other. And apparently it's a thing that you do. I've never drank in beer out of a shoe, but that's you live in Wisconsin. So if you haven't drank in beer out of something, it probably shouldn't be a thing because I, I agree 100 percent. That, that, that just feels like a Wisconsin thing. Uh, yep. All right. So uh, let, let's get to some actual actual news here. Um, hot stove season officially free agency starts 5 p.m. on Thursday. That's the. The last chance the teams have to make the deals with the teams that they have under team control. After that, it is wide open. One team that has taken full advantage of that uh, period to negotiate, the New York Mets. Daddy Cohen has opened up and fired up the stove right away. Edwin Diaz is staying with the Mets on a five-year, $102 million contract. Um, largest reliever contract in history. 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 I mean, obviously, you know, inflation and value of contracts are going up. You're going to see highest value of contracts go up every year. However, a five-year contract with the highest annual value. One of the most volatile positions in all of Major League Baseball as far as consistency year over year. I mean, uh, they gave it to him. And uh, wow, that's a, that is a start to the Mets offseason right there. There's a couple things I want to note on this whole thing. On paper, is it an overpay? Probably. But you're the New York Mets in the New York media market with what you described as Daddy Cohen, who wants to open up the bag and why not? There's actually a really cool opportunity here for New York, not just to capitalize on a great baseball player, but also to a marketing campaign, right? They have a great marketing opportunity. A lot of these players are coming, or a lot of these people are coming to New York to watch Edwin Diaz come out to that Timmy Trumpet song, right. to be in that huge environment, that extravaganza. Like that's part of what they're playing into with this whole thing. I think they're going to reap the money hand over foot with this, with sponsorship deals, extra merch stuff, um, you know, Spanish speaking markets, all of that. I think it's just going to make a whole lot of sense for the organization, regardless of how he does on the field. And it brings people uh, to the ballpark, which is what you want. Exactly. Yeah, I I agree. I am interested um, with a lot of teams. You hand out a contract like this and the question is, well, what does this mean for the rest of their free agency? Does this mean that they are are banking on this and have a little less to work with the rest of the time? With the Mets, I don't, I, I can't get a read because on the one hand, this does push their salary, uh, annual salary up higher it does get them a little closer to really blowing by that uh luxury tax which we all know is is a soft cap right um but cohen also has the money to blow by it and he's a fan and i 
I am interested to see what happens to Groms on the market. Maybe. Like, is this a sign that Cohen's saying, no, 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 we're spending all the money? Or is this a, let's get this locked up and we'll see from there. It'll be interesting to see how it, this plays you're out. You're right, because we, we still have the the albatross of the Scherzer contract. So that's going to have to be, there's, their window is, you know, the amount of time that they want to still spend with what they have there. Uh, so I do think this is the first salvo in a, a big effort by Cohen to not just repeat as, you know, getting to the playoffs, but doing something a little bit uh, extra, we'll say. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see the um, the money Mets against the let's sign players early for undervalue Braves duke it out. And I guess now we can worry about the uh, that sign can't stop me because I can't read Phillies who uh, have <laughs> blown their way through despite coming in third in the division just blow their way through the playoffs to the world series uh yeah. well how does that make you feel kevin that the phillies right. made the world series here so there's two things that go involved in this there's two reasons why the phillies are in the world series a you expand the playoffs and allow them literally to make the playoffs when they don't have that space the year before and b you make a universal dh in the nl which allows Bryce Harper to essentially play baseball because without it, he's a torn UCL. He doesn't participate because he can't field the ball and he doesn't get to bash the ball all over the place. You also have the NL home run leader in Kyle Schwarber, which was, you know, obviously if you have the kind of talent that you have from an offensive standpoint, it was just a matter of time before they figured it out on all other parts. The fact that they kind of let the Brewers have that false hope for as long as they did the rest of the NL wild card in general, that whole month of September was just a cluster mess of, of, of nonsense. It gives me hope as a small market Brewers fan in the sense that if we can make it into the playoffs, anything is possible. You can get a couple streets. You can get some some hot hitting in. I mean, we saw a game where we watched the Phillies bash five home runs to seven runs in one night, and then the next night show up at the ballpark and not hit the ball once. So anything can happen in October. Yes, it gives my, my frail – fan base uh, life and I think that it really gives us an opportunity to kind of look at what can be if you just make it to October I I agree it is a good highlight that uh, sometimes the playoffs are random sometimes it matters who gets hot at the right time and uh, unlike some people like to say mid-September the right time isn't getting hot at the end of the season because the Phillies weren't hot at the end of the season the right time is getting hot at the start of the postseason, <laughs> yep. which is which is quite ridiculous when you think about it. So hat, hats off to uh, the Phillies. I hope Philly fans were able to enjoy the ride that, you know, only one team can win. Uh, I feel like there are 28 fan bases that would have loved to be in the Phillies shoes yeah. to end the season. Um, I guess technically 14 because... 15 teams couldn't be in their shoes, but you know, that, what, what it, it is, what it is. Semantics. Semantics. But yeah. uh, good, good job to them. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the NL East plays out the next few years. Um, okay. So back to this hot stove season, seeing where the money gets thrown around uh, a big name who was expected to opt out. Carlos Rodon has indeed opted out. There's one more starting pitcher, on the market this year that was kind of expected and uh we will get to see on thursday i i 
think I misspoke earlier. I said 5 p.m. is when the free agent starts uh, on on Thursday the 10th. That's not that's when they uh, teams have the last chance to offer the qualifying offer. Free agency opens up November 10th and free for all. But this is baseball, not basketball, not football, not hockey. For those of you who this you're new to baseball, you, you started this year. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope we've helped you get through the season. That's great. But uh, baseball free agency is not like the NBA, NFL, NHL. Those leagues have hard salary caps that every team kind of gets close to. And so um, there's urgency from the players to get signed, get their money before the other players get signed and get their money and the teams they want to go to run out of salary cap space. Baseball is not like that. Baseball, the players who are going to make the big money can sit back and watch all the offers come in from everyone. And so um, if you are new to baseball and you are excited for free agents frenzy, don't be. Uh, it, it doesn't kick off all that early. A few names get signed here and there. Um, the big sign of the free agent market really starting to heat up usually is the winter meetings. Those are December uh, 4th through 11th this year. That's when a lot of, uh, when all the GMs get together, winter meetings, Hall of Fame voting. There's some Hall of Fame voting for the Veterans Committee, blah, blah, blah. Lots of fun. However, uh, usually it means all the GMs are in one room talking about trades. Uh, and also all the agents are there because if one team trades for someone that leaves a hole for their free agent to fill. So uh, that's when that's kind of starts heating up and, and we'll see. Um, it's been a little slow the last few years. We'll see if there's anything in the new CBA that heats that up a little bit, but uh, don't expect a frenzy. It's a slow trickle of news and that just keeps us busy through the off season. Lots of being able to just watch Bob Nightingale be wrong about things. Uh, and for a more complete guide, a little later this offseason, we are going to be talking to user Twisted Logic X, who is the czar of getting those tweets posted to the subreddit as quickly as possible. And he's going to help us break down uh, what we should be looking for during this uh, F5 season. So uh, we'll, we'll see with that. Uh, one thing that does get filled pretty quick, though, is manager slots. Managers get hired this early so they can start working on stuff. Uh, and at this point in time, all of the managing slots did get filled. Um, we, we talked about it uh, the last couple of weeks. The Blue Jays are keeping John Snyder on, removing the interim tag. I, I'm not sure how you could uh, go with anyone else after... He kind of turned that team around and got them on a nice playoff run. And then the Angels, or the Angels, the Rangers hired Bruce Bocci after three years of retirement. He said, right. he, he said he was uh, basically what I read was, oh, retirement's boring. I need stuff to do. Uh, that's what I read. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I think you touched on some really good points there with the, with the Schneider uh promotion we'll call it you're right there really wasn't any other choice i mean the guy's been uh, a career guy in the organization he's managed so many of these guys at the double a level and all the way up i mean he's had the experience with you know bobachette and guerrero Guerrero jr and biggio and now we have an opportunity to kind of get that full 
full moniker as, as the head of the team. And I really think he's going to run with it. And the Blue Jays are not done. They're not satisfied with where they are right now. And I really think that they're going to make a, a great run. So I think that Schneider side is signing is, is excellent. Um, and the Bo- the Bochi one, I mean, it came out of nowhere. He's been in retirement for the last three years, right? I mean, that that's fantastic. He's one of the most decorated uh, managers in the All-NL with his great run with the Giants. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy that is going to bring some excitement back to Texas where they were – uh, very disappointed this past season. They yeah. brought in some big names and then they were just left with absolutely nothing to show for it. So if you can get some excitement back in Arlington, I think uh, Bruce Boshi is going to be the one to do it. Yeah, I, I we'll, we'll have time to really talk about what went wrong. Um, I mean, it seems what went wrong is they didn't quite play up to expectations. And it turns out if you don't have pitching, it really doesn't matter if you get two good bats, especially if those bats, you know, have good years, but not great years. Um, it, very interesting, but we've got three new manager hirings that we're going to run through here quick. Uh, the Marlins hired Skip Schumacher, Shoemaker, Schumacher, Schumacher. I go with Mocker, but mocker, maybe that's maybe. the F1 fan in me. But. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he has been working with as a bench coach with the Cardinals, who he played for eight seasons for, and um had some very nice playoff runs with the Cardinals. Uh, and uh, he got the call soon after the disappointing seat finished to the season for, for the Cardinals after working with them. Um, he had served various roles with the Padres from his retirement until last year when he shifted over to the Cardinals. And now he is going to Miami. Uh, so good luck to him. Um, as multiple yeah, people I mean, have he's pointed replacing... out, uh, the Marlins just need to make the World Series <laughs> next year to have all five NL East teams make the World Series in the last 10 years. Oh, boy. No pressure. Just no uh, pressure at all. I mean, he's replacing Don Mattingly, right? Who spent the last seven years in the role. Um, and they mutually agreed to part ways after the season, which I think is the best move for everybody. Um, the Marlins have a good young core. And I think that you have an opportunity to kind of make some uh, moves. Schumacher himself is only 43. So he's kind of got that young side of him, too, that'll bring kind of some youth and energy into a Miami organization that constantly feels like they're rebuilding. And maybe they actually have an opportunity to kind of do something um, moving forward. I mean, they've got the guys like Jazz Chisholm is pretty excited and Sandy Alcantara is obviously there as well. So they have some parts and they have some pieces. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. And uh, obviously I'll be paying attention as we go on. Yeah. So uh, Miami gets filled. Uh, Kansas City hired Mike Quatero. 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 I'm going to learn the pronunciation for all of these in much more detail as we hear them more and more. Uh, he had been working as a bench coach for the Rays after 19 years in the Rays organization as a coach. He played for them. He made it to AAA for the Rays. He went and coached some college ball. Uh, after that, came back to the, moved around to a couple organizations, came back to the Rays where he had spent a lot of time and worked his way up. And uh, from what I hear, it is uh, exciting for the Royals to have someone new. It sounds like they're kind of cleaning house a little bit. I'm interested to see. There's a lot of um, culture, cultural differences between the old school Royals and the new school analytics. Um, it's a little disappointing because 
even though the Royals were bad, they played a fun brand of baseball, even if it was inefficient, lots of stolen bases, lots of small ball. It was fun to watch them play, especially when they'd, you know, scrap together two to three runs with some scrappy small ball offense and lose to the twins four to three. That was, that was best case scenario for me. Uh, entertaining baseball and the twins kept winning, right. but, uh, uh, good, good for good for him. Uh, always kind of nice to see those guys who who grinded their way out through the minors and didn't quite make it, but stuck around to do coaching to get promoted. Um, so, what's it, interesting to me yeah. about this whole situation is, and we're talking about this when we get to the White Sox, is right. they hired Griffel. Um, forgot his first name, uh, Pedro. but he Pedro, yep. and he had spent what ten years with the Royals organization as a, in the last, as a bench coach. So you would think that that would be the the logical explanation or the next step up when you have an opening in your managerial staff. But I think the Royals are trying to tap into that devil magic that is the Rays um, small market team. If you think about it, you just said, what, 19 years with the Rays organization? Well, as a coach, he's moved around a little general, right? So he's been a popular managerial candidate in recent years. He's Mm -hmm. been interviewed with at least six other teams, Marlins, Mets, A's, Pirates, Tigers, and Giants. So he's been around the block. He's been through this process. He's been a name that's in there. And I think it's now finally a time to, like you what they said, give him an opportunity. And I mean, Kansas City has gone through at least the last six straight losing seasons. I mean, right. it's time. Let's maybe maybe he can do something there. So it's exciting to see what happens. Yeah. And like we said, the White Sox, uh, they hired the Royals bench coach. Um, he had been with the Royals since 2013. Uh, he had just been kind of, you know, moving up until he got promoted to bench coach in 2020. I'm always interested, um, you know, the Royals cleaning house, got rid of Matheny, um, looked like they might be looking to shift the culture. It's interesting to me to see a division rival pick up a, someone who was a bench coach there um, when it seemed like they wanted to just kind of clean house. Um, however, the White Sox uh, said that they went through a, a very long, stringent process this time. Unlike the Tony Larusa <laughs> signing, they uh, they called that out in their press release that oh they should much, have that was terrible much longer than the Tony Larusa signing. Uh, so um, good for them, I guess, to finally get some some things in line. I I'm really really interested. It to just hear hear story. I want to read one of these players' memoirs in ten years when they can finally yeah. start telling all. Um, you know, we we talk about we never know how much a manager actually impacts the game. Um, you know, people talk about you know managerial decisions, bullpen management. It doesn't it doesn't make that much difference to whether a team wins or loses. I think as fans, the big thing we we don't get a view into is that clubhouse, and it's very difficult to quantify uh what makes a good clubhouse culture i mean dusty baker is known as being a great clubhouse guy uh finally gets his world series i'm happy for dusty absolutely um but you know we don't get to see that we don't know what that actually does to a team um and it when that happens sometimes we start to undervalue that that sort of thing um, and I, I'm really interested to see if the White Sox have a, another culture shift here. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried that it might be enough to, to put them back on the right track. Um, 
I, I think I speak for all AL Central fans when we don't want the White Sox to get back on the right track. But, you know, we're, we're <laughs> you selfish know, like that. There was one name that I was really hoping was going to come out of that that manager hunt for the oh. White Sox. Oh, who who were you cheering for? Ozzy Guillen. Oh, <laughs> yes. I if they if they would have made Ozzy Guillen the manager, um the memes oh, would be have been just world. it would have been just over uh, the top. I think the Twins would be contractually obligated to stop trying to hit home runs and start <laughs> right. being little piranhas again. Yeah, I think so. Uh, as Guillen called them, um yeah. So so that's that's through those uh managers um, all right. The, the last couple of things here, we'll, 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 uh, we'll just shout them out quick. Cause, uh, we got to get you over to, uh, Nime and Phil getting to celebrate the world series gold glove awards. They were all released. Um, they released back on Tuesday. If you were interested in them, you've had time to read all about them. I won't go too in detail. I will say I am excited that they added the utility player gold glove this year. Um, Kevin, did you have any thoughts on on that addition to the awards this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had 14 first time winners this year. Obviously, that included the two brand new ones. But I think utility player up until this point is a severely underrated individual on a team. You look at Brandon Donovan for the Cardinals, right? And he played every position, essentially, except for pitcher, catcher and center field. So that alone gives you a lot of defensive value if you can perform at all of those places. And the Golden Glove is truly a defensive award. And I think it's really important to reward those players that you can put as a Swiss Army knife anywhere in the uh, lineup, anywhere in the defensive lineup. And I think that those players absolutely need to be recognized. So good on them for getting that right and uh, adding something more for the fans to get excited about. Yeah, and I mean, especially with the universal DH, that that's that's especially true uh, if you've got, you know, one player who can give everyone else, you know, a day off in the field here and there by playing everywhere else. And because you've got that universal DH, hey, we can give, you know, who's okay, who's got the day off today? All right, Donovan, get out there. That's that's where you're playing. Um, that's what you do. He he comes into the clubhouse and he looks, oh, who's penciled into DH today? Uh, it's not against, uh, it, you know, Pujols isn't up in the lineup, so someone else gets the day off and I get to play their position. Uh, that's, uh, that's, I'm sure, how it goes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very exciting to see. I, I agree. Uh, and then one other thing uh, that I'm going to have Nime throw this in the, the show notes here. Every year, user antithesis uh, wraps up the year with a list of facts. And um, I just think more people need to go out and see that. Uh, that things like, uh, number one, despite being delayed by a lockout, this is the first season since 2016 in which all 2,430 games were completed. Wow. That's first time bonkers. since 2016, uh, despite the lockout. Amazing. Uh, Yankees 30th consecutive winning season, just fun stuff like that. Uh, definitely worth putting in there. And then also one more thing. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, If you would like to join the podcast for a little bit, uh, we have trivia nights we're hoping to run, whether that's traditional trivia or a new type, depending on interest, we'll have to see uh, what I'm calling reference races, um, where we'll ask a question and you have full access to baseball reference, fan graphs, uh, Google, full access, maybe not Google, we're still shaking on the rules, but you have full access (laughs) to those reference sites and you need to find the answer. 
And uh, I, I'm excited to see if, if other people would be interested in that. I'm excited to, to run that and see how it goes. Maybe it'll flop, but hopefully not. Uh, I mean, that, and a then lot also, of baseball history out there, man. That's right. A whole lot. A whole lot. Uh, we've, we've got that. And then also, we're looking at some debates. If there are people interested in popping on to debate things, um, we would love to hear you. And a structured, rational format with a moderator uh just a fun way to do it and uh, i'm excited to see if people are interested if not yeah kevin kevin likes to argue with people i sure uh, do brody was interested Big in fan. hopping back on to argue with people so uh i think we're gonna have a lot of fun um if you are interested in joining for joining us for that there will be in the show notes a interest sign up we already have a couple people from the subreddit that have signed up uh, I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, and then one final note in case you missed the uh, off-season, the Our Baseball off-season schedule is available. There's a lot of stuff the mods are doing. Uh, team roasts start today, Monday, uh, roasting all 30 MLB teams Monday through Friday until the end of the year. Uh, Tuesdays, decades of the week, Double Dose Larry and Barkevious 2 are doing those also a Saturday movie club, lots of stuff through the off season. And uh, just uh, make sure to stay tuned. Baseball is a year round follow and we're excited to keep doing this with you and keep you informed on what's going on. Kevin, any other last things before we turn things over to Nyman Phil? Nope. I love baseball. I love talking about baseball. Congratulations to the Houston Astros on winning the world series. And I cannot wait for opening day 2023 to make me disappointed in being a Brewers fan all over again. And you know what? One, one more thing that's really important. This is a short off season because the world baseball classic happens in March and I am pumped for that. We're going to have plenty of episodes talking Ocha about Republic. that. <laughs> that's right all right well we'll get to the czech republic in all the world baseball classic participants much later in the off season when we're in the hundreds for episode numbers i'm excited for that for now though we're gonna turn things over to nime and phil to relish the astros world series win thanks for listening everyone stick around for that folks welcome back and i'm here i am joined by phil to talk about the astros wonderful if you uh if you're on one side and and terrible if you're on another side but depending on who you are the astros certainly did not depending on who you are we know for sure the astros won the world series uh so i'm here to talk about that with phil phil how are you doing I am, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, uh, I think I went to bed at about 1.30 this morning. Uh, my voice has recovered somewhat. Uh, my hangover has not. And I, uh, I, I, feel, I feel wonderful. And... I, 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 you know, Phil, I wanted Phil to point sent out me a message last night for like a video from from the sports bar. Like it is very loud and I'm very drunk, but I'm excited to record the podcast with you tomorrow. <laughs> that was at uh, Little Woodrow's, which is a Houston institution. And there were there were about a thousand people there last night and it was absolute bedlam. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely very loud. <laughs> yes, it was very loud. Uh, so I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. This is either 
I'm I'm just I'm hoping that you guys are prepared to probably have the least listened to World Series recap podcast of all time. But I'm here for it, and I'm going to enjoy. Tell you it. what, it's 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 one of two for the podcast, so I think I think we're you know you're only up against last year's Brave series. Oh, well, there we go. Which which you also were in most episodes of. I thought I, you uh, might have even been in the last episode. I don't remember if you were in the the, the uh, Braves victory uh, episode uh, or not. Everything except for the recap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think we let, we let Dylan take that by himself. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I will say, uh, we, we don't have Pat on this episode, but, uh, <laughs> the, the quote that Pat said in our Slack chat, um, was eventually I'll reflect on how special, special of a run this was, but now I understand what my uncle meant by 93 being the most heartbreaking season he's ever watched. It's like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we, we Astros fans have been through a couple of those ourselves over the last the last few years uh 2019 being especially painful and then uh last year uh, at the hands of the braves was was pretty pretty heartbreaking too but you know what this year feels pretty damn good <laughs> well no, and 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 you know i'm sure part of it is obviously there is you know it, it's 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 you know better than anybody how hard it is to avoid the the cheating stuff from 2017 it was mm-hmm. The 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 games were five years. You know, the World Series was five years ago, but the the scandal was two and a half years ago. So it's it still is quite fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, until or unless something comes out about this, it is it is at the very least a clean World Series win, as as far as we know, right? Like, I, I, I mean, I I hate the fact that 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 for the rest of time, or it you know at least for the next few years, there's going to be the you know oh. Is there going to be a scandal that pops up at the end of this World Series? I mean, look, we went through. Right. Well, Framber Valdez keeps rubbing his head and keeps touching his bra or his dreads, and he keeps touching his glove, and he switched his cleats, and he switched his glove. Like, did you? Did, I I've been a baseball fan for a very very long or the, time. The nothing burger of uh, Martin Maldonado's bat. Yeah, his explode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, his exploding bat. Um, <laughs> I get that the World Series brings out. You know, the casual fans who just watch during the World Series or are, are, you know, halfway pay attention to baseball. And then there's, you know, the other the, the smaller one percent of us who, you know, like the other participants of this podcast, yourself, myself, that actually, you know, I consume so much baseball media over the course of a year. It just, you know. We, we we know these things. And if you've spent any time watching Framber Valdez pitch at all, it's normal behavior for him. So the the, the, the cloud cast over that is 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 complete bullshit. And then right. the the, the Framber or, or the, the Martin Maldonado, you know he he's using an illegal bat. There was a there was a tweet a tweet that got passed around in Astro circles uh, earlier this week of a of a of a lady attempting to drag the Astros for Martin Maldonado's use of Albert Pujols's bat, and the and the, the the quote tweet underneath it was her saying, "The Dodgers need to switch to Uncle Albert's bat for the rest of the season." And this was back you know last season. It's like, you know. It, it all comes back to the, and I'm, I'm, I, I want to preface this with, I'm in no way excusing, forgiving, or absolving the Astros of what happened in 2017, but at some point, you know, you have it. You either you either move on from it, or you listen to the reports from other professional baseball players who are coming out and saying, yeah, I, and we're talking about respected guys saying they they weren't the only team doing it. Yeah. You know what? I'm not here to talk about that. 
I have been talking about it every day for the last yeah. three years. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to enjoy this. There's a thing where there's, there's a point beyond reason. I'm just like, all right, like, are we over? Although it is it is funny that the uh, the Philly fans only shouted cheater for the three Astros who were in 2017. The rest of them, they're just booed regular. Like, you know, it, hey, they know their ball, right? Um, <laughs> better than other fan bases who are booing or are shouting cheater at guys like David Hensley or right. uh, or Jeremy Pena, who in 2017 was still playing ball for Maine. So there's there's that. By the way, I learned <laughs> yesterday that Jeremy Pena is Geronimo Pena's son. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how that completely eluded. I know, like like you said, I consume so much baseball meat. I don't know how that completely eluded me until yesterday. Uh, and it was because uh, Dusty Baker... Uh, in his first managing, like his his the first mm-hmm. day, game he managed, Geronimo Pena was on the other team for the Cardinals, yep. uh, and and obviously he just uh, you know becomes the oldest manager to win a World Series, and Jeremy Pena was on that team. <laughs> oh, and and I have a lot to get to about Jeremy Pena, but yes, it, it's. How can you not be romantic about baseball, Nine? Yeah, yeah, and obviously, and obviously, is, is the World Series MVP. So let's let's talk a little bit about. So we we you know uh, uh, Pat did the recap of the, of the first two games uh, in last week's episode, but let's let's do a full recap of the series from your perspective. Let's let's you know just just rattle it down. Game one, game one. So the Astros looked like they were in cruise control for game one. Uh, Verlander was vintage Verlander up until the fourth inning. And there was a questionable check swing call against Kyle Schwarber in the fourth inning that in a two out at bat that led to a walk. And then the the, the wheels kind of came off and Verlander ended up surrendering a five nothing lead to which um, JT JT Real Muto, uh, of course, hit the walk or hit the, the game winning home run in the bottom or the top of the 10th inning. And the Astros stay unwinnable in Game One of the World Series. Uh, it was it was a little disheartening and frustrating, uh, to say the least. As a as the self proclaimed world's biggest Justin Verlander fan, I was pissed. Uh, it's like this is more of uh, for the those same. who don't know. Uh, uh, Phil's Discord picture is Justin Verlander. <laughs> Not 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 in not in uh, the Astros Discord anymore. I changed it to to for the for the purposes of superstition. It is now Hunter Brown, who is also from Michigan. <laughs> but, but I think I think your 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 generalized Discord picture yes, is, uh, is, is Justin Verlander. Yeah, yeah, it's Justin Verlander. Uh, I and we've I've talked about my love for him ad nauseum in both uh, the baseball subreddit and my own. Uh, yeah, so game one was extremely disappointing. Uh, we spent the last. 10 minutes of that game in, in my house with my wife and she had her traditional postseason hoodie on to which she zips up around her entire face. So she looks like Kenny from South park and was just absolutely miserable. Then we move on to game two. Game two, uh, Fromber Valdez doing Fromber Valdez stuff. Uh, he looked absolutely nasty. Uh, another, another, you know, five run game out of the Astro, or was that the, that was the three run game? I'm you have to excuse me. That was a five run game. Yeah, you have to excuse me. I'm hungover. Um, proved <laughs> proved that uh, Zach Wheeler was 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 not even Superman could bleed. Who who looked absolutely phenomenal yesterday? But I'll get to that. Um. Yeah, game two. Game two got us back on track. It gave us a blueprint for okay, we can beat them. Uh, we just we have to limit the home run ball. And and throughout this series, 
it felt like the Phillies had the same game plan as the Yankees, and that was the Ben don't break bullpen and beat the Astros on the long ball. They were obviously going to out homer us. That's that's what that team is built for with guys like Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto and you know Reese Hoskins and Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Like that is a home run driven team, and that's how yeah. we that's how we had to beat them was to take away that long ball. Uh, so so game two was was very satisfying. It felt like okay, we're in this. It's it's not over yet. And then, and then they were a very homer <laughs> robust team, as we will talk about in, in another moment here. Yeah, and, and, and then there was Game Three. Um, yeah, which which while was uh, an extremely extremely frustrating game, it turned out to be the the, the turning point of the series. And in, in shades of the of the twenty twenty one ALCS series against the Red Sox, and, and I'll get to that. Uh, so Lance McCullers gives up five. Five home runs uh, in a. I think he ended up pitching six innings in total, which, uh, by the way, was a World Series record. Uh, the Phillies hitting five home runs in a single World World Series game, and rather than burn through the bullpen uh, in in a in a masterclass of management, Dusty Baker let Lance McCullers wear it and stay out on the mound. Uh. In an interview yesterday, he was quoted, uh, and this is not a direct quote, it's to the best of my recollection, saying that the the hardest decision he had to make over the course of the World Series was letting Lance stay out on the mound in Game 3 to wear that loss in order to preserve the bullpen moving forward. And at the conclusion of Game 3, where we got absolutely shellacked and the link was Citibank Field or, or, or... no, that, that's that's the Mets. Uh, the, help me out here. Citizens, Bank Citizen, Park. Citizens Bank Park. It's one of those citizens, one of those banks, one of those parks. <laughs> uh, was absolutely electric. Um, we had. <laughs> it's funny actually because I was I was at a, a sports bar with some with uh, some friends just like grabbing you know wings and dinner, and we were like in the side room and they didn't have like the World Series on in the main room and on the big TV, but not in the side room. And I was like, hey, you guys put the world series game on and they're like oh yeah sure and then as soon as they put it on alec bohm hit a home run yeah <laughs> i was like oh all right well what a time to put it on yeah um <clears throat> it, that reminds me of a very funny point about game three there was the moment when bryce harper hit the home run off of lance mccullers and went back into the dugout and 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 bohm got up to bat and he, or was walking up to bat from the on deck circle and you could see bryce harper shouting at him and run over yeah, to talk yeah. to him and you can watch that. You can find that clip out like where he like you can see him yelling "Bomber, Bomber." Yeah, yeah, you can hear it on the broadcast. Yeah, and it, it, in in my mind, I was like, "Lance is tipping. He's he's got something figured out." Uh, that that's exactly where my head went to was they figured something out. Lance is in trouble. And the the and the funny thing is, is, yeah, is there it, was it, that that's exactly what happened, you know. And then they proceeded to pummel him. Uh, yeah. And then of course. Altuve does that in the next game with the with the with the iPad, and then the next two batters strike out, which I thought was hilarious. But um, if if the if the if the situations were reversed, what would the what would the reaction have been if if Alex Bregman yeah, had, right, had, had had called out to you know Kyle Tucker and said, "Hey Tuck, hey Tuck," and called him over, you know, 
it would have been a completely different reaction. But I thought that was ultimate gamesmanship on the on the. That's, no, that's, I mean, that, that's yeah. That's, it's, it's truly just that's what it, was. It, would have been the same. it should it should have been the same thing on both sides. Obviously, we know it wouldn't have been. Um, no. But yeah, that's 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 the way it is. If you if if uh, batter thinks a guy's tipping pitches and you see the pitches being tipped, you tell your teammate. <laughs> like you take you, you, you take the advantage that you get. And absolutely. Uh, un, un, <laughs> Unlike uh, some other other postseasons where we play teams, and there's there's usually a player that you know kind of sticks in my craw, and I come away from the series going, I really don't like that guy. I can't say I can't say anything negative about any of the Phillies. Uh, I I really like Bryce Harper and his approach to the game. Um, I, the dude is an absolute stud. Uh, I wish he was. I wish that trade in 2018 would have had gone through, and he was an Astro. But, <laughs> but that's either here nor there. Um, but yeah, so let's so so we get shellacked in game three. Move on to game four, which is my favorite game of the World Series uh, in 2022. The, the one World Series game of 2022 that has its own Wikipedia page. Yes, and and. Uh, and the reason for that is 25-year-old Christian Javier, known affectionately around these parts as El Reptile, because the man shows no emotion, does not sweat, and uh, possesses a crazy 94 to 95 mile an hour invisible. Uh, they call it the invisible because it comes out of the same arm slot as his breaking stuff, and it's nigh hard to hit. So between Christian Javier, uh, former former Mariners reliever Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, who at the beginning of this season, I didn't think he was going to make the roster, but uh, throughout the course of the 2022 season has proven to be an absolute elite bullpen piece. And uh, the my pick for World Series MVP closer, Ryan Presley, no disrespect to Jeremy Pena at all. I can absolutely understand why he won the MVP, but it, it really should have been Ryan Presley. Uh, it, it's hard to give a World Series MVP to a to a reliever. To a reliever, right? He, but he, he got he got three saves in the World Series. Uh, uh, I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, combined for a combined for a no hitter. It is a combined no hitter. So you know your opinions on that are what they are. I, I do ask is what are the last two you know, words I mean, like, in a combined you know, no-hitter? It's, it's, it's no-hitter. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a combined no-hitter, okay. Like, I, in the regular season, it's 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 still, but like in the World Series, a, a no-hitter is a no-hitter. <laughs> like, in the regular season, I get like, okay, kind of is, it kind of cheapens it. In the World Series, a no-hitter is well, a no-hitter. Look, look, like, it's, it's, it's a World Series I, no-hitter I, no I get, I get the argument that a, and I agree with the argument that a combined no-hitter does not have the same prestige of, as a no-hitter, but... For all of you out there on in Twitterland saying this does this is Mickey Mouse, this is not a no hitter. The Phillies had no hits. It is a no hitter. Plain and simple. Right. It's a math equation. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, again, no disrespect to the Phillies at all because the Phillies were a fantastic team. I really like them. It's it, yeah. and, and and you know it it really did feel like that game was sort of a nail in the coffin, right? Where it's like once you get no hit, it's kind of hard to I, to come back from that. I, I disagree. I disagree because I think at the time of the no hitter, at the end of the game, I I I was of two opinions. I I said how how are they going to rebound from this? This has to be absolutely demoralizing. 
and then there's certainly that it's certainly like like after it's hard to come back from that but it's like right. if i guess if the, if you come back in game five then it's like okay this is how you this is how you you know I, I, you you either let you either let the no hitter set the tone or you reset the narrative by winning the next game right which is what i thought which, was going to happen is that the phillies were going to come out and absolutely yep. pummel us in game five um so it was hey, Kyle Schwarber tried his best. <laughs> he, he he certainly did. So so game five, um, game five was extremely nerve wracking right from the get go because it was it was Justin Verlander, who you know prior to this World Series was zero and six all time in World Series appearances. His uh, his World Series ERA was north of nine. Um, he didn't make it out of the fourth the fourth inning in his previous appearance. We, uh, we in the Astros fandom were 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 a a fan base divided, where either this was going to be the game that the that the Phillies tied up and wrecked our bullpen, because Verlander wouldn't make it out of the second. Dusty had to keep him on a short leash. As soon as he gave up a walk, they needed to yank him out of the game. And then there were the others of us who were like, "This uh, uh, streaks have to come to an end at some point." which ended up being the case. Uh, I wouldn't say it was vintage Justin Verlander, uh, but I will admit that it was one of the grittiest pitching performances, uh, at least by him, that I have seen in, in a very, very long time. Uh, got strikeouts when he needed to get strikeouts, prevented runs when he needed to prevent runs. Uh, and then he kind of, with the Javier game, Javier kind of set the blueprint for how the Astros pitching staff had to approach Philly, which was to pitch around Bryce Harper and not give him opportunities, stick to the high fastball and don't throw breaking balls over the heart of the plate. Because if you throw break, breaking balls over the heart of the plate, Philly's going to eat them. And because they're big free swinging sluggers, you beat them with the high fastball. And Verlander came out and did his best with that, limited them to just a couple of runs. And the the Astros beat the Phillies three to two in game five. And at, at that point, it was it was it was great because we knew it was coming back to Houston. And at the same time, the Astros had lost. Yeah, and coming back to Houston three <laughs> two of like of like a yes, the Ast like at that point it's it's Philly you know Philly has to win two two elimination games in Houston right and and we all remember 2019 we, we were in the same situation you know the 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 Nats took the first two at home the Astros took three on the road they were coming back into Houston up 3-2 the Nationals had to win two in Minute Maid Park to to and they and they did so it was a bit Okay, we can't we can't let this happen again. We can't we have to we have to we have to close this out in six. We cannot let this go to game seven. Uh, they the, you know the Phillies had Zach Wheeler their their ace. Uh, there were rumors that his knee was still bothering him, and that there were his you know his fastball was going to be off a couple of ticks. So we had to capitalize early, which ended up not being the case in in game six. The dude was throwing ninety eight mile an hour darts. And uh, we were comforted in the fact that Game Six was going to be uh, Framber Valdez's second time through the rotation. He limited the Nat or the, the the Phillies to only two runs in Game Two. Uh, he had nasty breaking stuff. He's a left-hander against you know a, a somewhat of a lefty lineup. You know more more so than we had faced throughout the rest of the postseason. So Game Game Five felt good. But it was a cautiously optimistic mood, and then and that brings us to Game Six. 
back back home at Minute Maid Park, away from the the, the very very loud uh, Citizens Bank Park. And uh, well, you guys watched the game last night, so Fromber throws a great game. Zach Wheeler throws a great game. It looks like it's going to be a pitcher's duel the entire way, the entire way through. We get into the sixth inning and Fromber Valdez gives up a, a solo shot to Kyle Schwarber, who it was an absolute piss missile, by the way. I think the thing, you know, cops were pulling it over on the way, you know, on its way out into the bull or into the outfield stands. And I, and I didn't feel worried there were four innings of baseball left, and I said, okay, we have to respond. And how we respond is going to determine how the rest of this series goes. We cannot let this go to game seven. We flip it to the bottom of the order. Pena gets on base again, as he's done throughout the entire postseason, setting up the home run from Jordan Alvarez. 450 feet onto the top of the batter's eye in center field at Minute Maid Park. No one has ever hit it up there. And on that 2-1 count, it was a two-seamer right over the heart of the plate from, from Alvarado, and it was absolutely demolished. I know I'm going to be watching highlights of that for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was at that moment at the at, at Little Woodrose where we were all at. My my phone started going crazy. Everyone was standing up and screaming. That was the nail in the coffin moment. Astros go up three to one in the bottom of the sixth. They have gone the, the Phillies have gone through the meat of their of their relievers. Uh Sir Anthony had yet to pitch, and then uh of course uh Robertson hadn't come in to pitch yet. But the momentum had shifted, and it, it it felt like at that moment is when I knew that they were going to win. And then, of course, the the, the Kyle Schwarber's next at bat, which is going to confound me until the end of time. Why did he Why did he bunt? Why did he try to bunt in two with a, with a two strike count, and then flew out on a bunt? Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> it's a, it's a I don't weird. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand that move. It's a very weird choice. There were some really strange decisions in that game. Uh, Zach Wheeler had great success against against Jordan Alvarez in both games he's pitched against him, and his pitch count was in the seventies. Why pull him? Is the, is this going to be talked about in the same regards of you know Blake Snell, you know pulling him early in Tampa in the ALCS or the World Series in in, in twenty twenty? You know, um, it just it doesn't make sense to me. Ultimately, it ended up working out, but you know, uh, throughout the throughout the World Series, Jordan Alvarez had a, you know like a buck thirty batting average, which consequently this was the lowest batting average uh, in a in a postseason for all teams involved since like the nineteen sixties. So it was a pretty bad offensive postseason. Uh, but well, great to be fair, pitching. also there was yeah there was there was there was the one game where uh, uh, one team didn't get any. Oh yeah, hits. that's true. That, there, so. there was a there, there was there was a uh, there you know there was a no hitter thrown in the World Series. Yeah. Um, but there was there was a lot of clutch, timely hitting, uh, you know, and that's that's kind of what this team was built for. The 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 
the, the 2022 Astros were very different from the 2017 or the 2019 teams that went to the World Series or 2021 teams that went to the World Series <clears throat> in that this was probably the poorest offensive team of those of those four. They weren't built to score a bunch of runs or hit a bunch of home runs, even though they ended up, you know, hitting quite a few home runs themselves. It was built on run prevention and defense. You know, Astros are a top three defensive team in baseball, had the statistically best bullpen in the American League, quite arguably the best bullpen in baseball, best starting uh, relief core in the American League, arguably a, a top two, you know, in all of baseball. They were they were built to prevent runs and then timely hitting and then occasionally pop off for a home run when needed, which happened quite a bit throughout this postseason, namely at the hands of Jordan Alvarez. Um but yeah. So score another run, it's four to one. Uh we go we go into the top of the ninth. And uh, Ryan Presley walking out to God's Gonna Cut You Down by Johnny Cash was just absolutely amazing. I, I got so many videos sent to me from friends that were that were at the game saying this is the this is absolutely crazy. It's not on the same level as, you know, Narco from Timmy Trumpet. And but there's just something about hearing that that Johnny Cash song and then Ryan Presley walking out with the flashing lights. It's just like, yes, yes, this is great. And uh, you know, induced the induced the fly out from Nick Castellanos, who I he completely disappeared in the World Series. And uh, yeah, Astros win the World Series, twenty twenty two champs. At to be home. fair, Nick Castellanos was was not really around for much of the season. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena, World Series MVP. Um, JP3? You know. Yes, JP3. Jeremy Pena. So uh, so the, <laughs> the jokes at the beginning of the season were, uh, were J, uh, you know, James Click, <laughs> we want Correa. We have Correa at home, and it's Jeremy Pena. And right. uh, I, I read something interesting before hopping off this call with you is that Jeremy Pena is, the, is only the second player – in baseball history to win a gold glove and uh, a, 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 a CS MVP and a World Series MVP all in the same year. The other player to accomplish that was Oral Hershiser. And Jeremy Pena did it as a rookie. Pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I, I mean, you know, we, we talked, we've talked quite a bit about how, yeah, Jeremy, you know, like, Again, in in your wildest dreams, you couldn't expect Jeremy Pena to not only be, you know, one of the the better players on the team, potentially not, not he's not a rookie of the year because of Julio Rodriguez, but potentially a rookie of the year candidate and a better year for him uh, or a worse year for AL rookies, uh, and then you know a postseason hero. Um, so if you it's, it's just like it's not the way you. Now, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that Jeremy Pena would have put up the similar numbers to Carlos Correa's Rookie of the Year campaign in 2015, I'd have said, absolutely, I'll take it. I love it. Which he did. And then if you had said, Jeremy Pena is going to finish in the top three in Rookie of the Year voting, 
against Julio Rodriguez, who who will who will win it, and it's absolutely deserved. Julio Rodriguez is rookie of the year, and it's not it, it it's not in it's not a content. There's no contention to that at all. Um, if you had said Jeremy Pena is going to win the American League Championship Series MVP, I'd have said you're crazy. There's n- no way. I don't believe it. <laughs> but I'll take it. Because that means we're going back to the World yeah. Series again to get heartbroken by an NL East team again. And then if you had to, if you had told me that Jeremy Pena would also win World Series MVP, I'd ask the number for your dealer because obviously I need whatever you're smoking. <laughs> there's 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 no way. Um, I my hopes and I've been watching this team for a very very long time and have watched some very bad shortstops and some very good shortstops. Uh, Adam Everett comes to mind, who is defensively an amazing shortstop, but he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And then uh, you know transitioning into you know Carlos Correa, who Carlos Correa was fantastic, the glass cannon, as it were, and and uh, you know. If he had continued on, there would be a statue of him outside of Minute Maid Park at some point. To to Jeremy Pena, who was kind of an unheralded prospect coming out of the minor leagues. Um, he hadn't played a lot above I, the I'm single sure A I level. I'm pretty sure I made fun of you yes. when, when you were like – when at the beginning of the season when you were like, oh, we got Jeremy Pena. We don't need Carlos Correa. I'm pretty sure I made fun of you. <laughs> well, I, I and I believe what I had said was – that his his defensive capabilities were at the same level as Correa, which which was true. He um, he, he was highly touted for his defense, uh, but not for his offense. I, I think he he had never hit more than six home runs in a season until he got to Double A, and then he hit ten. Um, I I I just didn't want the defense to suffer, and I didn't want another Adam Everett situation where the guy would never hit more than a buck seventy throughout his you know in a season throughout his career, and that would have been fine. He it would have been a a a downgrade, but not a complete liability. And we got so much that and more. Um, I it, the poise he showed throughout the postseason, the the grit. The timely hitting, he's pesky, he's fast, he's got a cannon for an arm, he's made some outstanding defensive plays, and he's just a likable kid. Uh, and I am in the opinion that, you know, as, as some of the, the, the big names we have on this roster kind of age out and, and, you know, move on from the team in their later years, is this kid is the future of the franchise. He's the future face of the franchise is Jeremy Pena. And if you had told me at the beginning of the season that we would get a future face of the franchise out of that kid, I'd have told you you were out of your damn mind. But that's what we got. The, you know, the 26th round pick coming out of nowhere, signed for a $1,000 bonus, Chaz McCormick's that the Astros keep seeming to bring out of nowhere. The, you know, the machine goes, brr, here we go. We're just going to get another one. And y'all haven't even seen Pedro Leon yet. An embarrassment um, of riches. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't even our final form. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get... Oh, and the best part is the, the majority of the core of the team is 25. Jordan Alvarez is 25. Kyle Tucker is 25. Christian Javier is 25. Framber Valdez is 25. Like, all... They're not going away. 
the window is open as it has uh, ever been. Yeah. Uh, any other any other uh, thoughts on the on the World Series before we we uh, we uh, look ahead a little bit to the off season? This has been um, this has been a really interesting postseason for me. This is year three of you know moderating baseball communities uh, for me and having you know having been through. The highs of 2017, the lows of 2019, and the and the scandal. Um, I, I I retreated into you know the 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 Astros community where we kind of and th- this was evident because I wanted to bring this up too that we all kind of picked each other up and said you know what all we can do is move on and all we can do is just cheer for the team and you know outsiders be damned. And that was evident last night. There was a video floating around on TikTok of some fans that were standing outside of Minute Maid Park, uh, waving to the players as they were leaving the stadium. And at the very, very end of the video, at, you know, after all the cars are pulling away, Trey Mancini's wife grabs him by the hand and pulls him out of the tunnel, and, and he walks out on the, on the Crawford Street right outside of Minute Maid Park, where there's hundreds of fans still there cheering. Trey Mancini throughout the World Series hit a buck 11. He had one hit in the World Series. One. And it was an inconsequential single. His primary contribution to this team in the postseason was as a defensive replacement for Yuli Gurriel in Game 5. Hit a, or caught a screamer from Nick Castellanos at first base and managed to get his glove there and in time and his foot on the bag to end the inning. He's given many interviews, uh, you know, throughout the postseason saying, I know I was brought here to hit and I'm not delivering. I'm trying to work through it. I'm getting to the cages every day. I want to deliver on what I was asked to do when I was brought here. You could see the frustration in his face and you knew he wanted to give it his all, but he just he just couldn't come through. So last night to see the video of of, of Astros fans you know, screaming for him and high-fiving him and hugging him and seeing this guy with the biggest smile on his face, you know, being embraced as one of us, you know, when, when the chips were down and things were bad, we all picked each other up. We don't boo our fan. We don't boo our players. We don't throw things at them. And we try to be, we try not to kick the hornet's nest, Right. Because we we know the the we know the legacy of this of this organization. We know just as well as you do what happened in 2017 and 2018. We we know it. We don't need to be reminded of it on a daily basis because you all do it anyway. But when it you know when the chips were down, we all rallied together and and we were positive and we moved forward. And I went through a lot of. You're not allowed to like things I don't like. I, I know that's a, that's a it's a really bad part of our zeitgeist right now with social media and the internet and sports and media and entertainment, especially things like TikTok and Twitter. Is that if someone likes something different from you, it makes you inferior to them. You like this thing, that means you're terrible. Well, you know what? I've been a part of it for a long time now, and I'm choosing to not be a part of it anymore. And I'm going to stick to the communities that pick each other up and help each other out and build each other up. And I feel way better for it. I've enjoyed baseball way more because of it. 
and I suggest you all give it a try. You don't have to be hateful. It's just baseball. That's it. I said my piece. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Like it's, you know, and especially like, you know, like it's, it's, it's one thing to go out and boo Jose Altuve. It's another thing to attack an Astros fan for being an Astros fan. <laughs> like it's a whole, this, this, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's just, it's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's unreasonable. And then, then again, there's, there's hey, like, I only got one death threat this postseason, So that was, that was a nice change of pace. That's probably less than last year, right? <laughs> Way less than last year. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, things are looking up. Hey, hey. Um, let's. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> let's look forward to the postseason. Um, what what do the uh, what do the Astros have? Uh, what what you know? What holes are coming up? Obviously, I think Yuli Gurriel. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know there was sort of the because he got injured right at, at, at the end there, and it was like a. Uh, you know, yeah, in the in the rundown in game five, he injured his knee. Yeah, so like he didn't he didn't get to play that game six. Although, and and I'm I'm sure it stung. I'm sure a little bit of that uh, that sting got uh, got washed away by uh, getting that ring. But um, you know, that's that's. I, th- I think this may have got lost because I didn't find out about it until today. But the the injury report were we to play tonight uh, would look like this. Uh, Alve, uh, uh, Jose Altuve would be scratched with a pulled hamstring because he pulled his hamstring in Game Six. Uh, Yuli Gurriel would be uh, Yuli Gurriel was removed from the roster because of his knee injury, and uh, rookie catcher Corey Lee got called up to to play backup catcher, and we slotted Christian Vasquez over to DH. Um, Alex Bregman would be scratched for a broken left finger that he broke on the slide. And Martin Maldonado would have been scratched due to a broken ca- his, his catching hand was broken, and he had a sports hernia. So there was there was little to no hope of us, you know, putting out an entire roster to play Game Seven. So I'm glad they finished it when they did, because man, that would have been a really <laughs> really sad way to lose. But again, looking at looking at like next year's version of the roster, right? Like Maldonado is going to be a year older and uh, already wasn't very good this year. <laughs> I, it, uh, it wasn't a very Gurriel good hitter. Is, is gone. Uh, yeah, Martin Maldonado has a player option, so he's coming back. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 coming back, but it's just right. like he's going to be thirty six. He's not, you know, he's not a guy you want to be starting if you don't have to. No, and in fact, uh, he he'll you know he'll probably get the bulk of the catches next year. Uh, I mean, we, he's he's here not because he can hit, but because he can manage a game well, uh, which is obvious through the rotation in the bullpen. Uh, I'm sure Christian Vasquez is probably going to go back to the Red Sox. The Astros have a pair of rookie catchers in Corey Lee, who got some time in the pro level, and then also Yiner Diaz, uh, who is also a catcher. So we'll probably have Martin Maldonado and then r- rotate the rookie, the rookie catchers next season to see kind of who pans out and who will be the catcher of the future. Uh Michael Brantley, professional hitter, Uncle Mike, Dr. Smooth, who is now a World Series champion, uh, is a free agent and has expressed interest in coming back to play for the Astros again. Uh, Rafael Montero is a free agent. I can't imagine we don't attempt to re-sign him, and I'm sure he'll probably want to stay. Uh, Trey Mancini has a mutual option. Uh, so that'll make the first base position a bit interesting, depending on what happens. Yuli Gurriel is a free agent. Uh, I can't imagine we don't extend him a team-friendly deal for him to come back, which is fine, because while he was terrible in the regular season, my man went absolutely bananas in the postseason. Uh, 
he ended up hitting 316, had a couple of, of home runs. I, I, I wouldn't hate to see Yuli come back for one more ride. Um, center field's going to be interesting. Uh, Chaz McCormick kind of separated himself from the pack of eh, center fielders we have, especially with that amazing catch in game five. And everybody else. Oh, and Verlander. Justin Verlander had a mutual option, uh, which vested. So he has the option to come back again next year for $25 million or become a free agent. He's obviously going to become a free agent, but he and uh, Jim Crane are are very, very good buddies. Uh, after the World Series, uh, Kate Upton is, has been declared the Queen of Houston. So... I don't think they're going to go anywhere. I'm sure Verlander will get some sort of Max Scherzer esque high AAV short term deal. He'll you know he'll make forty million dollars a year for a couple of years and stick around and ride off into the sunset as an Astro. But other than that, we're pretty locked up. Um, I think the next batch of free agents that become available isn't until after the 2024 season or into the 2024 season, which is your. Jose Altuve's and Alex Bregman's. Uh, the day that this team declines to, to re-sign Jose Altuve will be the day that Minute Maid Park burns to the ground. Uh, so he'll obviously he'll obviously retire an Astro. I think kind of in this in the Craig Biggio vein where we keep offering him one year deals and he just sticks around until he until he calls it a day. Um, we have we have batteries in the in you know in the minors to come up we'll just see who's going to be the next kid that comes up unheralded out of nowhere and wins ALCS and World Series MVP and it's just what we do apparently <laughs> uh yeah apparently apparently uh, so so you think essentially the same team comes back next year I think if Verlander doesn't, yeah, I think if Verlander doesn't come back, the starting rotation just slots in Hunter Brown as a starter, who is basically Justin Verlander but twenty years younger. I mean, same mechanics and everything, you know. And uh, Framber Valdez just becomes the de facto ace of the staff. Although uh, I would argue that Christian Javier is the best pitcher we have. Um, we'll lose, we'll lose Will Smith, but you know he didn't even pitch. In the in the postseason, I, I pitched a handful of games as an Astro. I thanks thanks for the Will Smith magic. I guess um, we'll resign. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's back to back World Series champ. Back to back World Series champ Will Smith. Yeah, f- by and large, the, you're you're going to see the exact same team next year. Uh, a, a different backup catcher. Uh, maybe the outfield shifts around a little bit. What what is interesting is that there was an article posted this morning, and there's and there's been rumblings and talks of this that. Uh, Jim Crane is going to announce the futures of Dusty Baker and and uh, James Click tomorrow. Uh, both of them are at the end of their contracts with the Astros. Uh, Dusty Dusty has said that he has interest in returning. Uh, Dusty is seventy three years old, and if he wants to ride off in the sunset and retire after winning his first World Series as a, as a manager, I don't. I don't begrudge him for that. Uh, assistant coach Joe Espada made the rounds on the managerial search circuit. Uh, no team jumped at the chance to take him. I would love for Joe Espada to take the reins of this team once Dusty decides to move on. There have been rumors that the the front office has been has reached out to Sig Madal, uh, the the GM over at the Baltimore Orioles. Of course, Sig Madal was our head of player development and scouting during the Jeff Luno era. If 
James Click decides to move on, or if we move, decide to move on from, from Click, then I think Madol is the obvious choice to replace him. I know there's this narrative that, and it was it was brought up when the details of uh, of the of the Wilson Contreras trade that got nixed at the trade deadline. There was an offer on the table to to the Cubs where the Astros would trade Jose Urquidy, who's twenty a twenty seven year old with three years of team control left, uh, to the Cubs for a Wilson Contreras rental. Uh, click tried to push the deal through and uh, Dusty Baker got involved and uh, Jim Crane ultimately shot the deal down. There's, there's the rumblings that uh, Jim Crane is not happy about the deadline moves that, uh, that click made. He was looking for that blockbuster, Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke type move. Um, As much as I've loved the, as much as I love Trey Mancini, the Mancini move ultimately didn't pan out. And Christian Javier was was fine. He, he caught it. He caught the no hitter. You know the 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 only other catcher in history besides uh, was a I was a Yankee catcher, and his name is escaping me right now. There's two catchers to catch a no hitter in the World Series, and now Christian Vasquez is one of them. They they were they were good moves at the time, but they ultimately were not super impactful. I, I mean, I would argue that the Christian Vasquez move was a lot more impactful than Trey Mancini. So I would suspect that we probably move on from from Click and bring over Sig Madol, who built the juggernaut of a team that we have now. Um, uh, I was trying to find the the catcher for Don Larson's Don perfect Larson. game, yes, and I thank just you. couldn't. Uh, it was Yogi Berra. Uh, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra is the catcher. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Nineteen fifty-six. Um, Larson, by the way, was. Uh, was the last living pitcher, uh, last living player for either team of that World Series, uh, who played in that game until he died in uh, 2020. So that's a that's a somewhat fun fact, I guess. The other fun fact is um, the only yeah, other. I'm, I'm surprised. The other fun fact is the only other catcher to catch a, a no hitter in the World Series besides a Yankee catcher is a Red Sox catcher. That's kind of funny to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I am, I am surprised that, uh, that Espada did not get a gig this off season, uh, especially because it seemed like the White Sox were ready to like, that was the report that the White Sox were ready to sign him. And then, you know, I don't know what happened <laughs> to, to make that not happen. I'm not sure if it either. was, uh, if it did, uh, you know, the, obviously the rumor mill says that it was, um, Jerry Reinsdorf who, who nixed it. I don't know. Whatever happened is what happened, but the White Sox have manager, the managerial, all, all of the managerial spots got uh, got filled before the World Series concluded, which is uh, yeah, that was kind of unexpected str- one to maybe last a little longer. But that was kind of strange. But I mean, I, I would love to keep Joe Espada on, and I'm sure he would like to stay here. The the players all really really like him. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like you know, it it, it certainly is a matter of time before Dusty hangs it up. So like, it's a short matter know. of time too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's any any year now. Dusty hangs it up, and Espada is very clearly the 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 guy. So um, unless he's not, I mean that's that's a, it certainly could be that he's not the guy, and then he dips. But uh, it, it it really feels like you know that he's he is the heir apparent, and there and you know. Un, un, unless Dusty takes another five years to retire somehow. I think If he comes back, I think he comes back for one more season. But I'm more in the camp of I think Dusty Dusty's going to retire. He's got his vineyard to manage. 
and his his uh, mint oil infused toothpicks to chew on. <coughs> and <coughs> excuse me, I was a I was a bit skeptical of the Dusty Baker signing you know, or the hire you know back in 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 twenty twenty, but. I, I've grown to love Dusty. Sometimes he makes decisions that confound me, and then sometimes he he shows up to be the absolute baseball genius that he is. And I would not be mad if Dusty came back for another season, but I can't imagine he'll come back for more than one. But I do think he's going to retire. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly, you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires now. Uh, uh, like this seems like the right time this, to do this it. Is the, hey, this is the John Elway got, way to ride off into the sunset. Right. You got your World Series. You're the oldest to ever do it. <laughs> like, what's what's left? Why why come back? You know, it's, it's like people people have been talking about like maybe Albert Pujols should come back for another year for the Cardinals. Like, no, you're done. He did it. He did the things he was supposed to do. It's done. You, it's good. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Walk did off. Did you see the tweet about Albert Pujols where it was, for all of those who think that Albert Pujols is going to come back for another season, he submitted his retirement papers like the next day. I, I, you can't blame yeah. him. You can't blame I, him. It was, it was never in question. He said he was retiring. He retired. Yeah. That's, the way, that's the way it works. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's it. Unless, unless you get any final thoughts uh, before, we, before we sign off. In the words of Conor McGregor, I would just like to say I want to take the opportunity to apologize to absolutely no one. The double champ <laughs> does not apologize. <laughs> there was, there was uh, of course, the Justin Verlander flipping off Phillies fans and saying I was just greeting them in their native language. <laughs> that was, the, you know, that's that so great. Same. Uh, Same energy. <laughs> yeah, big, big time, big time. Now, uh, on, on, a, on a serious note, baseball is a lot more fun when you can talk about it as fun. It's great to learn. About, it's great to learn about different teams, their 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 team culture. Go learn about other players. Go learn about other teams. Watch other teams' games. Follow other players on on Twitter. Like, get to know the game and get to know the fans. Don't stay in your bubble. And you know what? Talking shit to other ta- other fan bases doesn't make you cool or edgy. It, it it's really sad and it's really lame, and it doesn't grow the game of baseball. And that's why things like this podcast exist. That's why baseball subreddits exist. It's to grow the game. It's not to be. It's not to be who can be the biggest edge lord on the internet. So just grow up and move on. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it then. Uh, I'm going to kick it to, I believe I have the outro. So I'm just going to, you know, I'll do the outro right now. Whatever. Who cares? Uh, our Baseball Weekly is executive produced by Lewis. Uh, uh, my name is Naim. I edited this episode. The intro segment was hosted by Lewis along with Kevin. Uh, I uh, hosted this segment about the World Series and I was joined by Phil. Uh, our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday at 1 a.m. Eastern Time, and we will see you next week. For Mortal Kombat chat. <laughs> chat with a K. Does that work? <laughs> we'll make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs>